This is exactly right. Listen, we're all SVU fans. We love a family drama. We love a mystery to solve. And you got to get hooked into a story with the details. You need the visuals. You need the storylines with the twists and the turns. And that is what June's Journey has and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young girl on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murderer. Dun, 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 dun. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. The game is filled with all these beautiful detailed scenes from the 20s, like lavish estates and gardens. And of course, little hidden clues are everywhere. There's twists, turns, catchy tunes. It all takes you deep deeper into this storyline. And if you play well enough, you can make it into the detective club. And there you can chat with other players and even compete with or against them, which is pretty exciting. And you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed. And can you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. Okay, love that. And guess what? It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Of the Law & Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun-dun! Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast. I'm Kara Clank. And I'm Lisa Traeger. And every week we talk about an episode of SVU, the true crime it's based on, and we interview an incredible guest from the episode. Your hellos, hellos were very Broadway. Oh, I thought I was doing RuPaul. Oh. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, you're right. <laughs> oh, God, I'm a fraud. I'm a fraud. Um, listen, we have huge news for everybody. One of the greatest things that's ever happened in my life happened at your backyard. Oh, my gosh. At your daughter's birthday party. Okay. What happened? The bounce house deflated with children inside. <laughs> and they were screaming like it was the Titanic. It was fully their Titanic. <laughs> but we're laughing because it's we know they're safe. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. But I looked in the screams on their face. Would... They were terrified. And it's literally just like the hose came apart from the, you know, the air and the cat. The, just the air supply came apart from the actual bounce house. The worst thing that happens is that a bounce house gently folds down on you. Yeah. But these children were like in a burning building in their minds. <laughs> they were like, no. Like, of course, I got a bounce house for this party that had five children at it because we're still sort of we're still in a pandemic. So this was like all vaccinated and then just a few kids. And the door, there were a couple of kids in the bounce house at the time. And it was it was really funny. My husband, have you ever seen the movie Force Majeure? 
Like they just, it's a, it's a famous movie. And then they recently remade it with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Will Ferrell. It's basically like at the beginning of the movie, there's an avalanche and the guy and Will Ferrell's character just saves himself. He doesn't even look at what his kids and wife are doing. And then the rest of the movie is like her dealing with the fact that her husband just didn't, I had that moment with my husband because he just watched the bounce house deflate and did. And I go, do something like go help do something. I'm like eight months pregnant. I'm not going to fucking save the bounce house. And I was like, I can't believe you didn't do anything. He's like, they're fine. I'm like, you're right. They are. It's not the same as an avalanche. No, but the, <laughs> their screaming faces will always hopefully be emblazed in my memory. Cause I and then of it. course we hooked it back up and they were back in it in two seconds bouncing around. Yeah, of course. Um, and then obviously, you know, I'm, I came home the same day Stabler came home. Yeah. So we couldn't talk about it. We've gotten all your messages. Yeah. You may have opinions. seen our live. We have a live up from what we, we thought we would go live a bunch of times during commercials but then we just got really wrapped up in the episode and it was like i think it was, was too open. much but yeah. then also i had not um drank or smoked weed in four or five months and so i had two manhattans and a joint and i was gone. yeah a lot of a lot of you noticed a lot of you wrote in and were like how high is lisa right now <laughs> i remember like i was yeah i had a great night it honestly instead of making me want to drink and smoke more it made me be like i should take more breaks because then you just get lit like yeah. it was really fun but i've been getting high every day since i've been back so <laughs> Well, what do you think? Um, I mean, I liked the episode. I liked the SVU episode. Organized crime, I'm going to give it a shot. I mean, it seems like it's a very different animal because it's more of like a multi-episode arc kind of. Dylan McDermott is a crime boss. I don't buy it. <laughs> I, I I just, the whole thing is so silly to me. I don't, of course I will watch it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. But um, with the SVU, like, I think we all... I don't know. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. And I know you will. I think we all kind of thought he was like coming back to SVU and like, he's not you guys. Like he just came back for that episode. I bet he'll dip in, but I think a lot of people were like, Oh, he's coming back to SVU. They're going to get together and all this stuff. And it's like, I don't know if that's going to happen. No, it was a promotional tool. Yeah. You guys, this wasn't <laughs> some creative thing or a gift to us. They just needed people to watch organized crime. Yeah. So. They'll, they'll probably be like at least like ever, a, a couple of episodes where the mafia and like, or whatever the mob organized crime unit it's the same way as they they crisscross with Vice. They crisscross with like yeah, Homeland Chicago. Security. Chica I mean, how many times does Chicago and New York have to coordinate an investigation together? I ask you. Um, but I think it's it, it's um, I would really love to know what was in that letter. Or I that speech. So I would like to say I like that Benson got to stand up for herself and be like, you fucked up, dude. You I saw you every single day for a decade and you just leave with nothing like I didn't realize how much that would fuck her up because that episode where she cries. I'm like, all right, relax. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, this is traumatizing. Yeah. Like this person that you consider your best friend, you would trust your life with them just stops talking to you because well, you've had friends leave jobs before that you were on with them and you still talk. You still get together and get a drink like yeah or at least on the internet yeah <laughs> do you think they're facebook friends <laughs> <laughs> but so i like that she was able to call him out and stand up for herself and like that was good but i was like disappointed that stabler has learned nothing yeah. not one 
bit of therapy, not one moment of not wanting to violently. And instead of learning to going to therapy, he was learning Italian. Yeah, <laughs> he speaks Italian, but he does not speak mental health or. You and know. Hannah did research and there is Italian liaisons. I believe Hannah, but I just think it's like nuts that they would just take a guy who doesn't speak Italian and has no knowledge of Italy and just be like, you're our guy in Rome now. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me, but I'll I'll let it slide. Yeah, I mean, I liked seeing the kids. I wish Kathy wasn't dead. I mean, I don't know what to say. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah, come for me. I was like, I was into their acting. Like, obviously, I loved seeing them together, but I was just disappointed at his growth. When they first had them, like, meet up with each other and they, you're just like, go ahead, okay, go ahead, hug. Like, are you going to hug each other? And they just, like, didn't. That was tense. Yeah, but I like that the kids were happy to see her too. Somebody wrote into our Instagram and goes, I can't believe they used all the same kids. I'm like, they did not use all the same kids. They've completely been recast. Two of the actors are back. Dickie and Kathleen are the same actors, but Maureen's been recast. Uh, Elizabeth, who was unseen as a child, has fully been recast. And same with Eli, because Eli was Elliot Jr. was just like a baby, I think, when he was on the show. I also think these fans are sickos when they're like, great, Kathy's dead. You guys fuck. (laughs) They're just like thrilled this woman died so they can get their job. I was sad Kathy died. I was really sad Kathy died. Yeah, she didn't even get to like, you know, I don't know. I just wanted her to retire with it, have a good life at the end, like relax. Hey, but you know what? At least she got to spend her last years living in Rome. I mean, she probably had it pretty. She was living in Queens before that. No offense to Queens, but Queens to Rome. That's an upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot believe you're glossing over Dickie's beard. Oh, I yeah. was so traumatized by that. Yeah. Beard. You know what? I think Dickie's beard is a fuck you to Stabler. Like they've always had, you know, uh, tension, the two of them. And I think he's just like, look at me now, dad. I'm a man. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking too far into it. Do you have any thoughts on the beard? I don't care. I just, I honestly, I wish I cared. No, I don't know if I love a beard that thick. It seemed unkempt. Yeah, unkempt is um, a great word. Um, but I don't have much other news except, I mean, I have started a whole new life in a different state. Hello. But um, also, I have been sadly rewatching Girls Next Door, and I'm in the middle of season four. And About the Playboy Mansion? Yeah. It's weird. I have told you that I already I watched it as it was on. I think I've seen every episode. It's a very weird part of my because that doesn't seem like the kind of show I would watch. And I've seen all, all of, it. of our friends have watched. I know. It too. I think at the time it was just like that was an intriguing show. Anyway, this is all to say, please join us for our podcast about the girls next door. It's a spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be reviewing every episode of no, we're just joking. You looked at um, me with such disappointment that I brought that up, but I, and then I have nothing <laughs> else to add. I don't even have a fun story with it. I'm just like, I watched that. <laughs> I think that's where my disappointment came from. I was like, Lisa, I think you know how to finish a deal. But um, okay, let's jump into our episode because we have a really good one today. And it's a little bit of a long one, but it's a goodie. So stay tuned. All right, everybody, let's dive in. This is season 19, a more recent baby, uh, episode eight. And the episode is called Intent. I'm just going to be up front, up top. I am not a big fan of um, post-toddler Noah, okay? I lo- Noah as a baby is adorable and I love. I wanted him to just stay that age forever. When they time jump to Noah being a curly-haired little mouth talkbacker, I don't like it. And I don't, I don't know if I'm obsessed with Noah, but I definitely do not hate him on the level of... I- 
hate is a strong hate is a strong word. I would never say I hate a child. You hate children. <laughs> I hate children. No, I don't like. I just don't. He doesn't do anything for me. Like I roll my eyes at all his parts of the show, and I think also it's like too much. There's so much angst with Olivia in there. It's like she gets enough of it at work. Can't her like life with her son just be a little bit easy? It's just it's annoying for me anyway. Well, for me, it's the opposite. I'm like, this is such a well-behaved little kid. Like no kid is this behaved. Are you kidding? Maybe this episode later, he is such a little punk. He talks back to her. He tries to run across the street. She grabs his arm. She ends up getting a fucking child services like investigation because she bruised his arm trying to save him from getting hit by a cab and he's like whatever mom i don't want to do that like he's a he's like a punk at age seven already and i don't like it all right all right i think he needs olivia to show him some more discipline but we need to do a disclaimer that you love the actor oh yeah the little boy is so cute he's like a cute little hip-hop dancer nothing wrong with the actor i'm talking about (laughs) noah anyway and also i understand he's been through some hard times the first year of his life wasn't great but (laughs) <laughs> I think Olivia's trying really hard. I think I'm looking at it from Olivia's point of view. She's trying really hard to give him a great life and he's being a little bit of a of a bee. Okay. So we open on uh Noah walking to school with his grandmother Sheila, aka teen icon turned full-grown actress and star Brooke Shields, who and our first female eyebrow icon that yes. we discussed. Yes. <laughs> From the female uh, side of the eyebrow school of fame, it is Brooke Shields. And I believe that Brooke Shields and uh, Mariska are good friends in real life and that she was like begging her to do this part and was like, you're going to play a grandma. And she was like, "Okay," Uh, which I think if we all watch the Paley Center special, we've saw that little tidbit so she we see kind of like the dynamic forming of how they're sort of trying to like not co-parent but like form sort of a family structure together olivia walks up to sheila and noah she's like inviting sheila to dinner she can't make it but like they're 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 becoming this cute little family and then noah drops the bomb as they walk away and goes i wish i got to meet ellie and as you can remember if you're uh or maybe you don't if you don't watch the show that's fine ellie is noah's biological mom who who was a had drug problems and was a sex worker and uh, ended up being killed by Noah's biological father in a very gruesome in a very gruesome episode, which we will we will probably cover another time. And it's like season long drama because she got murdered one episode and then we don't meet the boss of the gang for seasons. I feel like. right. We so think that we kind of think the father's out of the picture and then he's back. Yeah. It's, it's very traumatic for, you know, Olivia's roller coaster of trying to become a mother. So um, Olivia, when he mentions Ellie, Olivia gets that sort of like punched in the gut look where her mouth is like slightly agape and she's got her eyes are kind of darting. So we get that signature Benson gut punch look. Uh, and then we cut to two teen girls in a pharmacy and they're just like looking for a shampoo called pink ice but then it turns out they're looking for blue glacier which to me sounds like an axe body spray scent but go off girls you get what you want they are devotees of a social media influencer named katie miller who has a website called katie's clatch that we can see on the phone it has two hundred and thirteen thousand followers not bad um lots of pics of her looking sexy bikini shots etc Now we're sort of cutting uh, back and forth with two scenes. The next scene is Katie, the actual influencer, in a faux fur jacket, like giggling at her phone, up walks this sort of jacked dude with like a big neck tattoo. Um, There's cheesy pop music playing. So we're getting the vibe that this is like a cute little date that they're meeting up. And he's like, how was Argentina? And she's like, I think you mean Pensacola, which 
at the time I was like, what kind of moron confuses Argentina with Pensacola? But as it keeps going, you kind of realize why that mistake happened. And I would like to mention that this guy is played by Steve Howie, who I, I watched a lot of Shameless, and he is... I think one of the top hunks in the world. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I forgot to look up who he was. So he's from Shane. I'm obsessed with him. That's yeah. his main role. Cause I've seen him in other stuff, but I feel like that's his main big thing. Yeah. And he plays like a lovable idiot. Like he, he, he's a bar. He owns the bar. Um, I loved shameless, but then I always hate when things become basically they wouldn't let lip go to college and they kicked him out. And I'm like, if you're not letting lip go to college, I'm done with the show. Like, can you just give him a fucking break? Sorry if this sounds insane to people that don't watch it. Um, but Steve Howie was also, they just got divorced, but he was married to Sarah Shahi, who was a very sexy character in the L word and her and Kate Menig, my, one of my top celebrity crushes, they had like the most insane sex scenes ever. So, um, and they had cute kids. So I've been, I've been obsessed with Steve Howie for a very long time. So, I was like very excited. I let you do the descripting because I would not have known anything about Steve Howie. He was a lead in Reba. Also, I think you're oh. missing. He got a start as one of the leads in Reba. Hey, any friend of Reba is a friend of mine. And that's where he met Sarah. Sarah was doing a guest star on that show and they met on the set of fucking Reba. Okay. okay and I cool. love Reba because she likes corn dogs. And I that okay. I love. We could we could do a separate podcast just talking about why. Have Reba you seen all the photos? Of Reba with corn dogs. Reba is on private jets after her shows eating corn dogs all the time. <laughs> we will post some of these on our Instagram. Don't okay. you worry. We will get these. We will get these to the world. Um, okay. So basically, uh, now I want to call him Steve Howie, but we don't know the guy's name yet. The, the, the jacked guy, he is like, how about we just uh, go straight to my house and get to know each other? And she's like, straight home on a first date. You should buy me a meal first, <laughs> which I kind of like agree with. And then she's like, JK, JK, let's just go back to your place. <laughs> so she's fully fine with that idea. Now we're back to the Blue Glacier teens. They get an alert on their phone, which is Katie posting to her blog being like, first date, hunk with a Range Rover, a big red one. Wish me luck. Okay, so the girls are like gagged that Katie has such a cool day. And they're like, he has a Range Rover. Stevie has a bicycle and then her friend goes broom him. What the fuck is broom him? I think I meant to look this up on Urban Dictionary. That is SVU. That is like some 55 year old SVU writer being like, I think my daughter says broom him. Let's try that. Like, you know, it's like it did not make any sense. So to me. my ideas are like sweep someone off the feet. And then also like the other thing I'm thinking is probably not it. Urban Dictionary is saying to broom is to get rid of something. Okay, okay. Sweep okay it away. so it exists on Urban Dictionary. Maybe I'm the 55-year-old writer who doesn't know what the uh, what the vernacular is, but I've never heard that. I've never seen anybody write that on. And I, and but I'm why on would you sweep him away? Wouldn't you want to bring him closer? No, she's saying broom her boyfriend that has the bicycle. She's like, get rid Understand. of this guy with Understand. the bicycle. <laughs> we're yeah, both, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're like the old Muppets. Yeah. Like, just no <laughs> idea what's happening. <laughs> no. Okay. So then now we're at this guy's place. The ceilings are, I'm not even shitting you, 50 feet tall. Like the apartment is sick. City views. Some huge, large, empty vases. I don't know what's supposed to go in there. They're having a champagne toast. She snaps a picture of just their hands holding the glasses and is like, Fans love this cryptic stuff. Hashtag who is the hand. So not the best hashtag I've ever heard, but okay. Um, we find out he's some kind of wrestler or MMA fighter. He has all these championship belts. 
He goes in for a kiss. She says she wants to take it slow. He immediately like viciously attacks her. Like this is actually like a pretty, I remember watching this when this episode came on and being like, holy shit, this is like a lot of screaming and like very, it's a very, it's like a traumatic scene. His name we find out is Andy because she's like, Andy, no, stop. And then he is going, just attacking her, jumping on her. And then we cut to her walking the streets barefoot, looking completely traumatized. A guy with a dog asks if she's okay. And she says she's been raped. Then Rollins and Finn are at the hospital trying to get her statement. And when they go to approach her, she's just like, I wasn't raped. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, get this through your skulls. Like, I wasn't raped. Gotta go. Bye. And then we're into the credits. So now we're at the top of act one. We've got the full like briefing where the show kind of like lets you know what's the lay of the land. Katie Miller is a social media celeb, Instagram, YouTube, Snap. And then somebody goes, thank you, Kim Kardashian. She has 213,000 followers, this girl. She's hardly a Kim Kardashian, but I get that they want to try to seem like they know what's up. And then I think it's Carissa goes, sure, make mock. Influencers are the voice of Gen Z. <laughs> make mock. Like, he's such a, I, whatever. I, I know there's a lot of Carissa lovers out there. He's just funny to me. Um, so now we're back on Blue Glacier shampoo. This is like a shampoo that Katie well, pushes. Well, I think you missed something that is obviously very important to me. Finn admits that he loves porn. Kind of. Oh, I don't. Oh, Finn Finn is. Well, of course you didn't. I sure did. It's my number one (laughs) note. Um, No, but Finn is like, why would you go on social media? Porn is free. And then everyone looks at him. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's so true. Um, Okay. So then uh, we're talking about the blue glacier shampoo, like Carisi's sister uses it. So obviously we can, we're kind of getting the idea that like Katie makes money off of doing uh, sponsorships and, and being a big celeb on online they've come across the champagne picture immediately rollins goes looks like tribeca i'm like from the background of the picture you can pinpoint that that's like a 360 degree view of the city you could see any i don't know okay she knows it's tribeca that's also where the uni picked her up so that makes sense so they're like what time happened between the time she disclosed and when finn and rollins showed up so um they're on their way to go to Katie's apartment and question her, kind of try to see, follow up with her, essentially. Rollins and Liv have a quick chat about her family troubles with Sheila and Olivia's kind of it's like one of these rare, like sort of vulnerable moments with Olivia where she's like, doesn't she's like, I don't have a regular family life. And it just would let, be nice to feel like someone has my back. And Rollins is like the squad does, you know, but I think Olivia's like, yeah, I know. I just need a little bit more than that in my real life. And you're unstable, Rollins. Cough, cough. Like- yeah. <laughs> You've got my back when there's not a big wrestling match you've got a bet on going on. (laughs) So Katie comes to the door in a beanie, uh, calls Benson a big gun, like immediately recognizes her rank, which I feel like I never would. Like if they're like, this is Lieutenant Benson, I'd be like, okay. Like, I don't know. I don't think I would know the ranks, but she like immediately was like, okay, you're, you're the big guy. I got it. She lives in this nice place and by herself because she posts about the realtor online. And um, she talks about how she's working her way through school. She sends money to her family, pays her own way. So you're kind of getting the idea like that you're supposed to like this person because she's even though she's posting, you know, which I don't have a problem with anybody posting sexy pics. But I think the show sometimes will be like they slut shame a tiny bit, I think, without knowing it. So they're they're like, oh, well, she does post all these racy, sexy pics, but it's to pay for her family and her way through school. So it's actually okay. Benson finds a picture of Katie and Andy together and is like, who's the guy with the tattoos? This all happens really quickly. Benson does a lot of real quick investigating here and is like, who's the guy with the tattoos? Oh, just an MMA fighter. Rollins is like, not just an MMA fighter. That's the monster. Uh, That's the guy's 
nickname or as a MMA fighter. Benson puts it all together as like, you posted a picture of a guy with tattoos. This guy has tattoos. So did the monster rape you? And Katie's like, my lawyer says I don't have to talk to you and he's going to help me protect my career. And she does not want to move forward with this. Well, and then Benson and Rollins are so taken aback. Like, you already have a lawyer? Like, what do you... Yeah, like that moved kind of quickly. Yeah, that moved really quickly. So now Finn and Carisi are in the office of this lawyer. His name is Alt Schuler, And he's like, he's a, you could tell he's a deadbeat lawyer. His blinds are all fucked up. Like the blinds behind him are completely askew. Nobody in a nice law firm has bad blinds. I'm just saying he's no Gloria Allred. He denies even knowing who Katie is, which we can't tell if he's just being sketchy or he doesn't know her, but. Um, they figure that Katie was just kind of like in the ER waiting to be examined or and just started Googling lawyers. And they think that they think Google works alphabetically or something. And then that's why she ended up with Altschuler. That's not how it works. It's not the yellow pages. But um, Carisi, a little shady, goes, I doubt she's majoring in brain surgery. That's shocking. OK, all you sunny lovers. That's kind of rude. Just saying. Don't assume a good just because a girl is paying her way through school with social media that she's a dumb dumb. Liv gets a call that Andy, a.k.a. the monster, wants to talk to the cops right away. So she redirects Finn and Carisi to the gym where they show up and Andy's just like pummeling some guy. And we meet Sean Tompkins, Andy's lawyer slash manager. And he's like, my guy's got $20 million fight on the line and this wackadoodle chick's got him spun. So we're already not thinking that Sean Tompkins is a very sympathetic uh, man. And Andy's explaining the date and saying that, and Sean calls her an internet whore, which is, he's not a good guy. So he shows the text he got from Katie, this recent text he got that says, pay me $10,000 or I'll tell the cops you raped me. So he's saying, we met at a fight a few months ago. She commented on my fan page. I liked what I saw. I sent her my private number. We started texting. We both like Waylon Jennings and Johnny Cash. That's a red flag. That doesn't seem like the kind of music that Katie listens to. I'm judging a book by its cover completely right now, but I know Johnny Cash. I don't even, I had to Google Waylon Jennings. I mean, it's like old Americana music. Like, I don't think it's the kind of thing Katie's blaring while she's taking bikini shots for her Instagram, but I could be wrong. People contain multitudes. So apparently over while they were texting, they really connected. They talked about being shy and getting picked on. Um, And she says in these text messages that she gets turned on watching him fight, sends racy selfies to him and says that she has a rape fantasy, basically, that she wants him to rape her. So Rollins knows a lot about the monster. She obviously dabbles in MMA like she's a guy's gal. She's a guy's gal. She knows that he's has 28 first round knockouts. So she knows all this stuff. And she also comes up with a great point, which I it kind of uh, bumped me too. like. It's weird that she would only ask for 10K from a guy who's worth millions of dollars. Like, I feel like you'd ask for six figures, right? Yeah. Once you saw that penthouse, that penthouse is a $20 million apartment. Like 10K is like I'm sure that he spends 10K on a weekend, you know, just like going out. So that's not I also needed to add that the makeup department did an amazing job on Steve's wrestling ears because that's not what his ears look like in his hot normal times. Oh, they gave him like those messed up ears? They gave him fake fucking ears. Oh, snap. Good yeah. eye, Lisa. I don't really, yeah. I don't, I just, the whole wrestling ear thing kind of I hate wrestling ears. Bit. It grosses me out. It's honestly really hard to look at. Yeah. And that's, and so that's why, how I knew it was fake because <laughs> Steve's, Steve's never disgusted me before, you know? Benson uh, suggests that the monster text back Katie and say, come get the money. And that if she comes to the mo- get the money, she's a felon. And if she doesn't, we'll get we'll get monster with rape one. And then Rollins walks away and goes, 
it's the monster just fyi <laughs> like and bra- olivia if you have to go back and watch the episode because olivia's face that they leave her on is like who the fuck cares rollins like no <laughs> one cares that it's the monster just m- go get me my conviction so monster is uh in the next scene sitting at a park with the money like just with a huge wad of cash in an envelope cops are on and the a newsboy hat and my newsboy- least favorite kind of hat yeah Ugh. Yeah, in a newsboy hat. And the cops are like everywhere on the lookout. They spot Katie. She sees Andy and start immediately looks terrified and starts to run. So they grab her and she's like, what's going on? In interrogation, she explains that this is a real laugh for me, that she had an interview for a modeling gig and that a rep for Chanel asked to meet her there. At And Rollins goes, at Stuyvesant Park at 1 p.m. on a Sunday. And it's like, <laughs> great point, Rollins. Great fucking point. Chanel is not doing business in parks, I have to tell you. <laughs> like, I'm not uh, I'm not so fashion savvy, but I don't think that Chanel or Gucci is going to hit you up and be like, meet me at a hot dog vendor on Broadway and 34th. <laughs> like, it's just not going to happen. So she shows the detectives her phone. There is a text from somebody saying that they're this Chanel rep or whatever. There's also messages from the monster that say, what the hell happened? If you tell anyone, I'll tell everyone what a slut you are. and No one will believe you. So Katie now finally admits that Andy did rape her. Like she's now finally like, you know, telling the cops basically what we've known is true the whole time. Um, at the precinct, we obviously find out that I think Carisi called Chanel and they've never heard of Katie. And I just love the idea. Uh, hey, Chanel, it's me, Dominic Carisi. People call me Sunny. Uh, just wondering, <laughs> did you guys make a plan to meet a girl named Katie in the park at some point on Sunday? Like, I just can't. I love imagining how that call went down. And so obviously we find out that's fake. And the texts with the lawyer are fake, too. So the lawyer didn't actually know Katie at all. They were like... um, Katie was texting with like a fake person. So they basically figure out the crux of the entire episode is that there's a third party involved, not only a catfish, but a double catfish. Someone is posing as the monster to Katie and as Katie to the monster. Yeah, because they point out that like the texts on Katie's phone make her seem like a, a beautiful angel and him like a perverted creep. Yeah. And then on his phone, she's like a dirty slut and he's like this nice guy. Yeah, so exactly. Something's exactly. wild. Right. So it's just they can tell something's up here. Here. They get the computer crimes guys to check the IP address. We get a classic walk and talk with coffee with Barba and Benson. And he explains to Liv that if they want to go after a third party for accomplice to rape, that means Monster has to be convicted of rape. Like you can't convict somebody of being an accomplice to a crime that doesn't exist, which is kind of crazy, but that's true. Like I get why that's true. So they offer Monster a deal. They offer him rape three, which is a nonviolent E felony, no jail time, one year probation. They explain the whole situation to him and his manager. The manager's like, why would he do this? You guys are never going to be able to get him on rape. Like, and they basically explain the catfisher and they say, if you don't cop to this, it's like Katie's rape never happened. And then they do something, Lisa, I'm dying for your opinion on this. They do something to up the stakes because Andy seems very apologetic, but he doesn't seem like he's going to take the deal. And then Katie reveals she was a virgin when he attacked her. And I don't know why that makes a difference. Well, I think rape is rape no matter if you're a virgin or not a virgin. But I think 
to a man like the monster that matters. I think I think sure. to a normal person who doesn't understand that the concept of virginity is not real and it's created by men to put worth on a pussy and like that's all <laughs> you're worth or whatever. Like it's not a real thing. But most people think of virginity as a very coveted thing. So I think that's going to play his heartstrings a little bit. Sure. Like, oh, and it ups fuck. the stakes in the show. I'm sure there's people that are watching that are like, oh, wow, that's even worse. But also, I thought you were going to ask my opinion where uh, about how they would bring her in to manipulate him in a way. Like, they would never have them meet, I think, in I real know. life. Either. That's true, too. Like, that's true, too. Like, having them meet and be like, are you going to take this deal and prove that a rape happened? Look in her eyes. Look in her eyes. Are you going to say no to this deal? Like, it just doesn't. Yeah. But he is a good guy and he's not a rapist. And that's the thing. Like, right. He would not have raped. And I think he does feel terror. I think he feels terrible. Sure. I'm sure he feels terrible. I think in real life, nobody's going to give up their multimillion dollar MMA career for this. And he'd probably just like offer to give her some kind of money if this was real, real world. But we can move on. He agrees to take the deal. Steve Howie's a great guy. Uh, and uh, Lisa knew that from the beginning. And now they can go after the catfisher. So at the top of act two, they track the catfisher to West Virginia. And wouldn't you know, that is where my husband is from. So of course I Googled Maysville to see if it's real or not. It's like a tiny, tiny town in West Virginia. It's about two hours from where my husband grew up. He grew up in Morgantown, which is actually a city. It has a call, a big university in it. It's like, it's near Pittsburgh. It's really not what you kind of think of when you think of West Virginia. And West Virginia is a beautiful, beautiful state. That is just filled with a lot of um, silly people. <laughs> I also loved when Benson's like, all right, book f- first class tickets. Yeah. And Carisi goes, oh, really? And then she goes, no, fuck. Take she the goes, car, fill up your gas tank. <laughs> that, I, I did write LOL about that one. Um, and then it's like, Finn, you're riding shotgun. And he's like, oh, no, no, I'm allergic to West Virginia, which I get. Um, and then. So now Rollins has to go. So now this is like for all the release fans out there, all the people that ship this relationship between Rollins and Carisi, we're getting them in a, on a road trip to West Virginia together. The sexual moment you've all been waiting for. Now we get uh, we go back to like Olivia. We're at Olivia's apartment having like a tense moment with Sheila and Olivia. I don't really want to dwell on this because I just don't. It's a, it's not really that uh, big of a deal. Like she's like, I'm mad at you for say bringing up Ellie. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I spoke without thinking. I'm really sorry. So they work it out kind of immediately. And it's a quick moment. The one thing I do love, I don't know if this is this the one she's cutting green apples yeah and i don't know if it's asmr or what like i could watch brooke shields chop an <laughs> apple for hours like i was very obsessed with yeah. what was happening and they end that moment kind of being like is it okay if i buy noah a coat and then that's like we think that she's gonna buy noah a coat i don't know why noah doesn't have a fucking coat he lives in new york city <laughs> but okay um so now we're in west virginia and the cops are getting they're arriving to the house with the with a local officer there's an old lady on oxygen watching tv like i mean i can only imagine what kind of fever dream she thought she was going through when two new nypd officers walked into her house <laughs> like i mean like that's gotta just feel like you're absolutely hallucinating um she calls to heather and she's like Heather and Heather's like you're the police and they're like you know why we're here and she's like yeah because I'm stupid she like wants to have a hand she's like introducing herself to the cops trying to shake hands with them you're just kind of getting the idea that she's a little bit of like a simple woman like she's just kind of like oh the cops are here what's hi I'm I'm Heather like it's just weird she doesn't seem scared she's just kind of not getting reality they want her computer 
And then they're taking her away and the grandma's kind of like, who's going to change my bag? And I think we all know what goes into the old bag. Now we are get to this kind of weird scene because we don't really see stuff like this where Carisi and Rollins and this local cop named Chuck are having a little fun at a local dive bar. Okay, they're just letting loose, having beers. And um, so it to me, it's a six hour drive from New York to Morgantown, where my husband's from. So it's an eight hour drive from Maysville. So I guess they probably had to stay overnight. I guess that was probably like it was too much to go there and back in a day. So they're chilling at this bar. Carisi at one point asked Siri to set a reminder. I was like, is this a Apple tie-in? Did you guys do a trade-out? It was like a confusing sponsored moment in the show, uh, especially because like they have to say face space. They can't even say Facebook. So I don't understand. Now they're talking about Siri. I don't know. I feel like it was intentional. But um, Rollins goes and questions this hot bar- bartender about going to school with Heather. He's like, she's a sad sack, had a bad dad, have to ca- had to care for the mom. He doesn't really have any information. And then Rollins starts telling Carisi about her old dive bar that she used to go to back home and her fling with Roy Jr. And then she just throws right out to Carisi. Yeah. And then I took him out back and banged his brains out. And you're like, whoa, okay. Um, I mean, nothing wrong with having a little fun, but it just seems like a it seemed like a weird jump in their normally like more professional relationship. Um, and I was like, not since season one, when Jeffries talks about hooking up with a former suspect, have we heard a <laughs> detective being so graphic about their sex life? Like, you never hear Olivia being like, you know what? I love being on top. Like, you know, like, um, so anyway, there's like an awkward moment, but then they laugh about it. And then Rollins is like, and then the guy died of melanoma. I do not know what's going on with this conversation. It gets so weird. And then Carisi has to go check on Chuck, the, uh, the, the local cop, because he's gotten too wasted. Buck, the hot bartender, sends a round of shots over because he's clearly trying to flirt with Rollins. Carisi's carrying Chuck back to the table. Chuck bumps into a guy. A full bar brawl erupts. It's just like wild. I feel like almost I'm watching Chicago Fire. I don't know if that makes any sense. This just seems like something that would happen in another Dick Wolf show and not this one. I don't even want, I've never even seen one episode of Chicago Fire. So I don't even know where that came from, but I do want to give a shout out. If we're going to bring up Chicago Fire, um, <laughs> our friends, Mike Joyce, he used to run an open mic in Chicago at the, a bar called Lottie's and they would film Chicago Fire there. So sometimes we'd go do the open mic and the signage would be different and like they would remodel oh. the inside and we'd be like, someone was here today. Chicago but, um, Fire. I took a lot of uh, Rumpelmint shots in that basement and had a lot of fun and <laughs> ate a lot of tater tots. So shout out to Lottie's. Um, Carisi and Rollins are going back to their hotel and she's like, that's the most fun I've had since Christmas of 05. I really want to know what happened then. Carisi's kind of like leaning in. He's sort of going for it. Amanda. Okay, not- you're missing a lot of details and I think it's because you don't want to have sex with Carisi. So I'm going to take over for a second. They're... <laughs> They're, you know, they're at a motel and he's walking Rollins to her room and he's leaning. I mean, I, I like got giddy. Like I had to turn this off and walk away and go back in. I was just getting like hot. Like I just like couldn't watch this. It was so awkward, but romantic, but it's truly like they were about to kiss. I feel like there was a lot of lean in and he's like, you know, like, you know, I really like you as a partner. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh. And he's like, no, like it's deeper than that. And she's like, ah, and then he gets rejected and it's just like so hard. Yeah. And that's kind of why I like, don't understand a lot of the releasey like shipping. Cause it's like, she's just had so many opportunities and she just keeps rejecting him. 
So then in the morning, Carisi's on the phone with Olivia being like, we don't need to extradite Heather. She wants to come to New York. This girl, we can clearly tell, is like a little bit fame hungry, wants anything exciting to happen in her life. And I think getting escorted by the cops to New York is counts as a fun night, a day for her. And um, Carisi spots Buck, the hot bartender, leaving Rollins's motel room. So uh. that is like a second layer of rejection because she was horny. She just wasn't horny for him. And guess what, Rollins? I'm with you. I don't see it, <laughs> but I know a lot of other people do. Please don't come for me. You like see his heartbreak. I you know. See his and, face and then there's drop. a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of, but we'll see. More, more happens with that. Okay. So now Heather's telling Rollins about how her and her friends always dreamed of going to New York, like Mary Tyler Moore. We cut back to Liv and Sheila. This is the apple cutting scene. This is where oh, they're cutting the apples. Okay. She explains how her sister died. She wants to buy Noah a jacket, blah, blah, blah. Creasy and Rollins are driving Heather back to New York City. And Creasy's being kind of passive aggressive to Rollins. And Heather is asking if she's going to be able to meet the monster. So she really has like no idea what's happening, how she, much trouble she's in right now. Uh, we cut to negotiating with Barba and, and they're offering Heather... Uh, and her lawyer raped too, which is seven years in prison. And she's like, what less if I behave good? And then suddenly the gross lawyer from the beginning who was getting catfished, he comes in being like, Heather's my client because he's heard about Heather on the news. And now he wants a piece of this action. He's going to do it pro bono because he just wants like the money, which I don't know where the money would be coming from. I well, guess from the fame. Okay. Yeah. And maybe they'll do a civil suit or something. If and fame is more off. important. I mean, the bling empire, they're billionaires, not enough for them. They had yeah. to do a reality show. People want to be famous. That's true. Okay, so he he apparently was on a list of best lawyers in New York City. I'm like, I doubt it, but okay. He says his client rejects the plea deal. At the precinct, we've got more tension between Carisi and Rollins, but she's also weirdly flirting with him. Like, I don't really know why everyone... She is fucking with him so bad. She's No, like, she's a bitch. You she's know, a I'm bitch. a person. You know, sometimes I fuck strangers and sometimes I fuck people I know and... Sometimes I fuck people I work with or does something like that. She basically says to him, you've got a shot. Like, that's what she basically says to him. Like, I didn't give you a shot last night, but you've got a shot. So maybe that's why everyone uh, keeps uh, holding a candle. For no, she's playing. She's toying with him. She's toying. with yeah. him. Sonny deserves better than that. Right. So now we're in court and uh, Katie's text testifying about her text with the monsters, how the date went when and then how she describes the attack. Monsters on the stand. He explains the rape fantasy. They're basically painting the picture of the entire catfishing thing for the jury. Heather has confessed to doing this. She just never thought it would actually happen. She got the idea. She says she got the idea for the rape fantasy from one of her mom's soaps. And so she basically describes her life, taking care of her mom, cooking, feeding her, changing her poop bag, giving her sponge baths, and then sometimes holding the bucket when she pukes. So it's like she has a not a great life. You know, she lives in like a small town and is like beholden to her dying mother. Um, she basically has created this whole life on the computer. She never intended for the rape to happen or for the monster to go to jail. So now Liv and Barba are at the bar and he's basically explaining to Olivia, he's like, she's not malicious. Like there's not a lot of intent here to quote the episode title. Um, like she has no motive and he thinks the jury is going to quit just out of pity. Then Carisi shows up with kind of a smoking gun saying that both Katie and Monster have texts on their phone with a picture of Heather. It's like, mind if my friend tags along, which what is her plan if they both said yes? She shows up and is like, I'm friends with both of you. Like, I don't understand 
like what she thought was going to happen there. Also, I have to also for a second stop and just say that this entire episode is predicated on the idea that there are no verified accounts because (laughs) Heather would have to set up accounts that had massive follower accounts that mimicked the exact people, but were not verified and convince both of these same famous people to start trusting a non-verified account. I'm not saying it can't happen, but it'd be more difficult than the show makes it seem. So anyway, Barbara establishes that it's a possible uh, revenge motive that they rejected her coming along on the date, but it's not mens rea. And if we all remember from Legally Blonde, mens rea is the intention or knowledge of wrongdoing. Okay, so then Carisi shows uh, them these something and goes, toss these in the pot as well and and shows them some other pictures. And Barbara goes, the human body has a lot of bones. We never really get to what that is. We don't know what the pictures are of. I guess Heather's sending nudes. It's confusing. Back in court, Barba is cross-examining Heather, talking about how she uses Blue Glacier Shampoo. He basically exposes that she has another Reddit, another username on Reddit that's Blimpy89. And they show posts where she's shitting on Katie and shitting on Blue Glacier Shampoo. Like, why would anybody want to buy a shampoo from this slut? So they're getting, they're, they're, they're creating the narrative and supporting the narrative that Heather's not just this dumb dumb. She is a malicious, jealous person who is mad that she has a bad life and that these people have good lives. And so she's basically saying that she never meant to hurt Andy. And then it's like, well, what about Katie? And she's like, well, she's from Pensacola. That's not that much bigger than my town. She gets to post naked photos of herself for money and I have to rub my mom's feet. She's like, it's not fair. She gets paid to take a shower and I have to change mama's poop bag. She deserves what she got. So Heather kind of has a breakdown on the stand, which we know in real life never happens, but on the show is our bread and butter. Uh, Heather is found guilty. And then there are sort of two buttons to end the episode. One is that we're at a department store where Sheila's buying Noah the warm coat that he needs. We see an over-the-shoulder POV of a sketchy guy in a hoodie watching them. Sheila turns her back for literally four seconds, and when she's gone, Noah is gone without a peep. I don't know if that really will happen with, like, a kid that's as old as Noah. Like, I feel like he'd say something, but whatever. At the precinct, the monster, the, there's a New York Post, or it's not the New York Post, it's like the ledger or something. It's a headline that the monster is caged is the headline. So his career is totally over. And I'm like, not in the real world. It's not plenty of athletes have raped and kept going on to make millions more dollars. But I guess in this case, we think that his MMA career will suffer. And then Liv gets the call from Sheila and we end the episode on this terrified face of hers because clearly Noah has been taken. Well, and also Finn is right there with you because they're like, "Uh oh, what what's the monster going to do? And Finn goes, he can go to Hollywood. Yeah. Which I thought was a nice little dig there, Finn. Um, But also he did the right thing and he did. I guess he did rape, but he didn't rape. Like, I just wonder why he would be vilified. Is it because he had to plead? Like, we see the story. Like, we know the truth. Like, I just wonder why he would still be so hated. I think that that this kind of story is, like, really hard to get through to people in the press. It's just so confusing. And it's like, what do you mean? And, like, I think people wouldn't believe it. Or, like, remember when Manti Teo got catfished? People were like, it kind of ruined his career a little bit. Like, people were just like, how could you be so stupid? Like, so I don't know. There's a lot of layers. Well, this is... An amazing tie-in to what we're going to talk about (laughs) soon with the crime. And in unprecedented history of this podcast, the crime's pretty chill. It's actually (laughs) a pretty fun crime. There's not a rape to be seen here. Um, No one gets physically hurt. There's no burnings. Like, this is going to be a smooth sailing crime. I cannot wait. We will get into it when we come back. 
Listen, we're all SVU fans. We love a family drama. We love a mystery to solve. And you got to get hooked into a story with the details. You need the visuals. You need the storylines with the twists and the turns. And that is what June's Journey has and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young girl on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murderer. Dun, 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 dun. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. The game is filled with all these beautiful detailed scenes from the 20s, like lavish estates and gardens. And of course, little hidden clues are everywhere. There's twists, turns, catchy tunes. It all takes you deeper into this storyline. And if you play well enough, you can make it into the detective club. And there you can chat with other players and even compete with or against them, which is pretty exciting. And you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed. And can you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. Okay, love that. And guess what? It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Okay, welcome back. So this crime I've actually known about for a very, very long time. It was an episode of Catfish that I happened to catch one time. Lisa, you watch Catfish religiously, (laughs) admit it. (laughs) On the road, yeah. Like if, (laughs) you know, if there's no SVU or Housewives or Kardashians or South Park. It's us or Simpsons. It's like a solid seven or eight down on your road (laughs) television list. I will watch Catfish. Um, So this is on episode um, 12 of season six. It is called Open Investigation if you want to check it out. Um, I think something weird happened with one of the hosts. I don't really know, but... Yeah, there was a Me Too thing, I think, but go on. And this is... This was the biggest show of their career because it was a legit crime. It wasn't like a pre-super produced thing. So basically, this girl, Paris Dunn, she's very, very pretty, um, hot girl, and she... This happened in 2012. And she posts lots of photos. She's having a good time. And she had a giant crush on Chris Anderson, who is an NBA player on the Denver Nuggets at the time. And he he's nicknamed Birdman uh, because he has a mohawk, lots of tattoos, and he flaps his arms like a bird. And <laughs> the audience loves it. I don't know what to say. <laughs> so he's known for his flapping movements. And he was described by some as like the white Dennis Rodman, you know, a little bad boy energy. He's 6'10", a giant guy. Wow. Yeah, and he's fucking hot. Okay, he is hot. I understand why Paris had a crush on this NBA player. So she commented on his post, and she legit wrote, hey, you should text me, and put her phone number on a comment. So it's kind of like what you referenced with the episode where it's like, was there verified accounts in 2012? I don't know. Like the timing of everything yeah, does yeah. really affect it. I don't think anyone would put their phone number so prominently like this. And then all of a sudden he friend requests her and starts texting her. So Paris is living her fantasy and 
And um, she's like in Georgia or something. I don't remember. Tennessee, like pick a state down there. And that's where she is. So they're texting. Obviously, they start sending nudes and they start, you know, some sexual photos, some sexting, all of that. So she also then starts getting texts from a guy named Tom and Tom is Birdman's best friend. And so he's like, so, hey, I'm I'm Chris's friend. Like, what do you think about all this? And so she starts texting with this other guy, too. And Tom is the one that proposes, like, you should come see Chris like you guys should meet. And he and she goes, OK. And so they do decide to meet so she flies to fucking denver they've never talked on the phone there's not been a skype in sight but she hops on a plane not a skype in sight (laughs) hops on a plane and flies to denver to meet chris anderson and my favorite thing i also watched a 2020 segment on this uh crime as well and it's called hooking a catfish and deborah roberts is the interviewer and what's amazing is she's interviewing paris and the whole time she's like did this concern you and paris is like nah not at all and she's like, were you nervous about sending nudes? She goes, no, he was hot. I loved it. She goes, were you scared to fly? She goes, no, not at all. Didn't think it was weird. So it's really funny. Like <laughs> Deborah is trying to like bring some sort of like levity to this. And this girl, Paris, is just like cuckoo She's just like, <laughs> I love it. Like she's just hot and wants to fuck and had not like no suspicions at all about anything. But why would you have suspicions about anything? She flies to Denver and guess who's waiting to pick her up. It's fucking Birdman. So this NBA player picks her up from the airport. So like, they do say like now, like there was inconsistencies where he said like, oh, did you bring all that Victoria's secret for me? And she goes, what are you talking about? And when she brought up Tom, he had no idea who she was talking about but she just thought he was being like jokey you know like what do you mean i have no idea who that is but like so she thought it was a joke but also in hindsight of course all these little details it's kind of like the pensacola thing with in the episode like you never think there's more when the guy is standing right in front of you it's right right nothing can be more real than this fucking hottie picking you up and i guess he was also like hey so are you excited for your trip to africa and she's like what the fuck are you talking about so there was some like they honestly they probably just both assumed oh you're talking to like three other guys you're talking to five other girls like you're you're mixing me up with someone else because like we're young and we're fucking a lot of people yeah so um they have a great uh they have a great time i think they fuck they have they it's great they're this is like (laughs) a dream i'm just thinking if i had a crush on a celebrity and then that celebrity was like come here and then i fucked i would just be like what the fuck like this it's too good to be true so then he has to go to practice and she goes nuts she starts taking selfies with his dog with his shoes in his closet in the back i mean she is just like on a selfie storm and during this time tom is texting her being like oh did you have fun send me this photo send me that photo so tom is like telling her what to do in the house and she's fighting tom back a little where it's like no i don't want to do that whatever Wait, Kara, I can't believe you're listening to this not knowing what Birdman looks like and the fact that Lisa oh. thinks he's hot. No, I'm texting you a picture this second. <laughs> oh, okay. Guys, I he's am a good absolute, looking guy. No, I am so offended. <laughs> as a basketball fan, you guys not knowing who this is is so funny to me. Birdman was like the joke of the NBA. Oh, no. I've never seen this person in my life, but I also don't think he's hot. No, <laughs> not at all. Mortifying. He is not hot, Lisa. And everyone made fun of him 
so much. So this is extra funny. But I could see a million girls wanting to go fly cross country to fuck this guy. It's just funny you listening to this, having no idea what he looked yeah. like and not knowing that he's such a joke. He could be a joke. I mean, I guess I'm more into like the accessory. I like and tattoos. He has a lot of I tattoos. Guess. You're into that. I get it. Yeah. I kind of get it. I'm a tattoo girl. Um, yeah. I can't really. Can't deny it. That. You fucking love ink. Okay, so then there's like some weirdness of how everything goes south. Um, so one story is like Chris and Tom were obsessed with Call of Duty. And I guess there was a guy in Indiana that was like beating them and they didn't like it. And they were trying to convince Paris to fly to Indiana and steal the guy's account and password. So that was weird. And she didn't want to do that. And that apparently set Chris and Tom off. The other thing is that uh, Paris is saying that she was telling Birdman that her friend got her some sort of passes to meet Blake Griffin, another NBA player. And that set him off. Like he was pissed that she was going to go see this other NBA player. And I would like to add, sorry, but I have met Blake Griffin. (laughs) He's like a big comedy fan and he was doing comedy for a while. So he was at the just for laughs festival in Montreal one year. And he was the selfie to get, I mean, there's not one comedian that year that did (laughs) not run to Blake Griffin. I saw them all and was like, is this fucking guy doing, is this the guy that was married to Kim Kardashian? No, 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 no. This guy is dating. No, but he's dating Kendall. He was dating Kendall. Kendall. He was dating Kendall. And I was like, is this guy doing comedy? And I guess he sort of was. <laughs> well, he did the roast of Caitlyn Jenner uh, right. recently, but he he was also a fan. Anytime I saw him, he was like, I'm going to the V panel. Like he was jazzed to be there. <laughs> and I actually got to do a host. They do a show called Midnight Surprise or the lineup's always a surprise for the audience. And so he hosted a show and I was on it. And so I, I was like, I better fucking kill Blake Griffin. He needs to think <laughs> I'm amazing. Um, and I But he was like really nice and Cool. So I understand Paris if she so I don't I don't know if it's the Xbox thing or the Blake Griffin or I, I'm not really sure, but something sets them off and Chris starts and everything's in air quotes like obviously there's, you know, tomfoolery afoot. Um, so that something's afoot, but Chris starts texting Paris, like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to rape you. I'm going to dump your body. I'm going to throw you on the side of the street Jesus. and starts like threatening. Like it all becomes super, super violent. And then what Chris is getting is messages being like, you better give me money or I'm going to say you rape me, like starts threatening him. And 2020 had an interview with his like longtime lawyer and friend and manager type person who also, um, lets us know that Chris Andrews. Anderson was like a foster kid who's like loves to do a lot of community service. Like he's like the, he's like a really good guy. But then Paris starts receiving texts from Chris that are like threatening her, threatening to put her nudes online and demanding all of these things from her. So it was confusing. So all of a sudden, all Paris's nudes are on some Reddit, some blog. I don't know where they are in the Internet. This is beyond my brain's uh, capacity, but the nudes go on the Internet. Now, this is obviously non-consensual sharing of nude photos. But what is crazy is Paris lied about her age and Paris is underage and she is 17 years (gasps) old. Oh, my God, Lisa, what a twist. 
when I was 17, I couldn't fly anywhere without what the heck? Oh, that's an amazing point, Kara. Um, thank you for saying that. So basically, <laughs> uh, Deborah Roberts is like, what do you mean you just flew? What did your parents say? And she goes, well, I was dating a guy in Washington. So I just told them I was going to go visit him. So she's just like a very much mat- sexually mature teen. <laughs> Never in a million years. <laughs> so. At this point, she's really upset that her nudes are on the Internet. And so she tells her mother and her mother is like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm calling the motherfucking cops. So the authorities get involved now because there's underage photography of a nude child uh, on the Internet. What's going to happen now? The authorities are involved this is a giant scandal. This is all over the news. Chris Anderson's house is being raided by the FBI. This is, you know, all the news are like Chris Anderson is a child pornographer. He likes child porn. He gets kicked off the nuggets. <gasps> His career is pretty much over. His reputation is over. And he is a very, you know, he's like a giant tall tattooed man. So he's very uh, popular in Denver. He had to leave Denver because he's so well known. People were screaming, you know, awful things at him that he's a fucking pedophile. Oh my god so the fbi takes everyone's technology and guess what they figure out there's an in-between person and all of the communication is being centered from fucking canada a tiny town called easterville that is five hours away from fucking winnipeg it's the tiniest town to the point where there's not even a mall there is one grocery store and that is it it is in the middle of nowhere and paris does earlier say like she was confused that the area codes were weird but when you're a horny teen, you're not. What are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not like maybe she hasn't watched 22 full seasons of Law and Order SVU and become a detective. Yeah. So all of a sudden we find out that there's double catfishing going on. They've never seen anything like it. What the fuck is going on? And so Chris Anderson does eventually get cleared of everything. And the age of consent in Denver is 17. So he didn't he didn't do anything illegal. Yeah, He did not do anything illegal. But and they talk about this, like the news blast of him being exonerated wasn't as big as that. He's a fucking child pedophile. So there are some people that probably still associate his reputation with these crimes, even though he did nothing wrong. So now who is this girl? So the they're getting catfished by a woman named Shelly Chartier, which is funny because the episode kept talking about poop bags and her last name has the word chart in it, obviously. <laughs> you know. Chartier sounds like, yeah, like a fucking parody of Cartier, but with sharding or something. Like So Shelly is everyone. Shelly is Chris Anderson. Shelly is Paris. Shelly is Tom. Yeah. She is everybody. She has, uh, she's the one that like had a Chris Anderson account, followed her, texted Paris with the number and investigators still don't know how she got Chris Anderson's phone number. Like the police have still not been able to figure it out. Whoa. So all of their communication, like on SVU is going through this third party. They were never texting each other ever. So it is so wild. And Shelly also pretended to be Paris's mother who threatened Chris and asked for money. And Chris's lawyer actually gave her money and thought it would be over. And then the photos went up and all this happened anyways. So she is also now on the hook for extorting, blackmailing, like everything. And obviously she's a really good catfisher. Like this isn't her only con. You know what I mean? Right. So. 
we'll learn a lot about Shelly, but she's pretty diabolical. She's had over 11 victims over three years. She's impersonated a YouTube comedian, a Playboy Playmate, and Brody Jenner, which is funny. She's very good at this. Wow. So obviously the catfishing show, the two men, they go, they go to fucking Easterville. So we're going to meet Shelly. Um, since this happened in Canada and cannibal, uh, since this happened in Canada, <laughs> cannabis, <laughs> we meet, um, some Canadian police officers and they're So this guy is named constable Gord Olson and he's the main Canada cop. That's he's the main dude on all this investigating. And he said that Shelly has no remorse and that Chris should thank her for bringing a hottie to him. And like that they should both be thanking her kind of in a way of like setting them up. So th this is the best. So Chris Anderson does not do any interviews or talk about this period in his life at all. Like there was very, he does not participate in any of this. So the catfish show went to the Scalar brothers as sports experts on Chris Anderson, which is like, like, you, like Randy and Jason Sklar. <laughs> yes. So, so they, they go to the twin comedians for their sports professional Who we're friends takes. with. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know if I'm friends. I've done those I shows. Mean, I'm like I've met them. them. I was just in a Comedy Central show, married to Randy. We were married to each other. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, in corporate. I knew you were in corporate. I thought it was a show called Randy's Brother, and I'm like, wait, what? No, 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 uh, no. no. Okay. Randy and I are engaged. Are married. Corporate. You were in everyone. Kara was in corporate. So check for five out, seconds, out. everybody, check it out. I have a couple lines. <laughs> um so the Sklar brothers are here and they're giving like their take on everything um that's neither here nor there but it's just kind of funny to me so anyways the two guys they fly to Canada and they're eating sushi on the plane and it's like come on guys okay anyways Ew. so another added thing about Shelly is she also pretended to be Tom with a woman in Texas and they were in a relationship for years Oh, my God. So when the constable, like, told the Texas woman, she was, like, fully heartbroken. She was, like, in distress. She couldn't believe that this guy that she'd been dating for years was actually Shelly Chardier. But you also, like, tale as old as time. You're not dating somebody for years whose face you've never seen in person. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. It's but, I mean, you've never even FaceTimed like you've never. It's just not not a Skype in sight, as Lisa said. It's crazy. <laughs> it is. But I don't know if a fa were FaceTimes as popular. I mean, I don't know. I was tricked once into having a job where I sold things out of a van for a day and I hated it. And it was supposed to be a marketing position. Like, we don't know what we're going to be tricked into sometimes. No, but you showed up. There was a van. Like, I'm just saying we have to have some <laughs> tangible things there. Like, you can't have a multiple year relationship with somebody who was, was she ever speaking to him on the phone? No. And she was using a voice changer. Like, how was that? You know, no. no phone calls for two years. That's crazy. Do you not watch Catfish? This no, I don't. I watch the movie. I've, <laughs> I saw the movie in the theater. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was talking to some friends about this uh, case because I'm obsessed with it. And it's also like usually the victim or the catfishers do live lives like in the show intent. You know, it's like sad in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Lives. Yeah. So we're going to get to know Shelly. I will let you know that I'm going to just give you the sentence right up. There's just so much info. That's not like I'm I need to save this to the end. Shelly was sentenced to 18 months in 
prison. So she did go to jail. And the town that she lives in is so small that the community center turns into a courthouse once a month. And that's where court happens. Oh there my God. There's not even a court in this town. It is wow. so fucking tiny. But Colorado still wants to extradite her. There's an active arrest warrant. And if she is extradited and back in the U.S., she is up for 24 to 48 years in jail. Now, for what? What's the charge? I don't know. I bet it's like the child pornography charge. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah I think yeah. it's the blackmail, the extraditing. Like, I'm not really sure what's up. Got it. Got it. So that's like what ended up happening to her. So the catfish guys, they go to meet her after she's out of prison. And this fact is the most upsetting to me personally is this bitch is married. Okay. To a hot guy. And I am just like, how am I so desperate for love? <laughs> And this woman, I would like to say, Shelly, did not leave her house for 11 years. She is a full-blown hermit. Um, she never went to the dentist. Her teeth are rotting out. I'm sorry. I know people are poor and it sucks to be poor. But, like, I am just upset that she has a spouse and I don't. But <sighs> she met her husband um, he, through Xbox. They, like, the guy was like, damn, this girl's amazing. She keeps beating me at Xbox. And so because she was so good at Call of Duty, he flew to this tiny town and moved in with her and married her in the kitchen. And they've been, they're still together. <gasps> oh my God, this story. <laughs> God. <laughs> and um, like true to the episode intent, she takes care of her mother. Her mother has been bedridden um, since giving birth to Shelly. And Shelly is the number one caregiver of her mother. And what was very interesting to me is when these guys and Deborah Roberts, like all these people show up to this house, the mom cannot be bothered. Like she's still on her iPad scrolling, will not like give a like they all act like they don't care. But I know their lives are boring and they should be excited. But it is really weird. Like the mom just won't stop swiping the whole time, uh, like playing games as these people are in her house. Like it, it is all very wild. But the mom is legit bedridden to the point where like she was brought in on a stretcher to the court. And so it is like most catfishing situation. I think it's like people with pretty sad lives, insular, not a lot yeah, to do. Yeah. And like. Yeah, didn't leave the house for 11 years and met a hot love of her life. And his family was like, don't do this. And he went anyways, and then she had to serve jail time. But she did say jail was great for her because she didn't have any phone or internet and actually forced her to make friends. And so jail was actually a great time in Shelly's life where she learned how to communicate with others and stay off the internet. Wow. So they do meet her and... They're like, how are you? And she's like, I'm tired. Like, she just doesn't care. There's a film crew from MTV there. <laughs> it is very, very um, strange. Her side of the story is she was on Facebook. She saw Chris's status on Facebook about winning a game, saw Paris's comment. And that's how, like, she decided to get involved in all of this and started texting them. She says that the woman in Texas is actually the one that told her to do this. So she is a liar. Like, we can't really trust anything she says. She says that she just started casually texting and that Paris was like, nude, nude, nude. Here's my nude, which I could believe, too. But she yeah, she says that the woman in Texas told her to do all of this and that she denies that she ever pretended to be Tom. Like, she denies ever playing games with this Texas woman. And it's like. The facts are in the hard drive, baby. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. You can't really lie your way out of this. Well, that's kind of like what happened in the episode. She felt bad. She never meant to hurt Andy, but she didn't give a shit about the girl. 
She's also saying that the Texas woman is the one that manipulated to get money from the lawyer and that she's doing the blackmailing. I mean, she is just so scapegoating. she's just literally scapegoating this Texas lady who she's been screwing over for years. And they also the catfish guys are kind of pressing her. And they said, I mean, if you're telling the truth about all this and the Texas woman, you're charged with things you shouldn't be charged with. So what's going on here. Right. She also did plead guilty because they promised her house arrest, but then they sent her to jail anyways. She also said she was pregnant at the time and was going to fight in the trial, but because she was pregnant, she didn't want to. And um, then she had a miscarriage and then went to jail. I mean, I don't, I can't really, I, I it's hard to keep this her side of it straight. Like I kind of believe the constable and Mm -hmm. the authorities and Paris a little bit more than what's going on here. So they asked what she wanted to do with her life. She said she wants to have kids with her husband. Um, And she said she's never going to catfish again. Okay, so now, where are they now? And what's happened? So Birdman came back. He played on the Miami Heat and won a championship with LeBron James. Um, And he got to meet President Barack Obama in 2014. Like, you know, the championship team gets to go to the White House. So that was uh, thrilling for him. Um, And then he ended up playing on the Grizzlies and then um, on the Cavaliers as well. And then... He joined this league. This is insane, Kara. There's a league called Big Three that is owned by Ice Cube with (laughs) retired NBA players that play three on three basketball. I I think I've heard of this. I think I've weirdly heard of this. Um, And so he won a championship there, but who cares? So he doesn't have an Instagram. There's not a lot of info on him, uh, but he does have a long term fiance. They've been engaged for like five years. Her name is Tina. She's very beautiful. Okay. well, I'm glad things worked out for him. It sounds like he was kind of a victim in all this. Yeah. And then Shelly, I can't really get any information about her post 2017, which is a good sign. That means she's staying off the Internet. Maybe yeah. I'm not sure um, the CBC, which is Canada. They did a documentary on her, but there's really nothing. Now, I would like to go into Paris. Oh, my God. So Paris Dunn, I'm trying to find her on Instagram. I find her as uh, Paris Dillon, and she has 518,000 followers. And I'm just scrolling through, seeing what's what's up with Paris. Mostly selfies, cute little selfies. And then I see a photo of her with Alex Trebek and another old man. And um, I'm trying to figure it out. The old man is Don McLean. Paris Dunn is dating Don McLean. The guy who sang American Pie? Yes, he is 75 no. years old. No, he le- Paris, honey. No, 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 no. He is, he, I mean, he is very, you know, it's like hard because you don't want to be judgmental, but I have a very, I'm very judgmental about giant age gaps. I remember one time at a show, there was like a fun couple. And then the moment they told me how old everyone was, my face changed and I had no interest in talking to them. <laughs> it is my bias. It is where I draw the line. I'm trying to work on this bias. Because how like, old is Paris now? She was 17 and 20. She's 25. She's she's 25 25 dating a 75 year old. They've been dating for five years. He divorced his wife to be with her. Oh, my God. She became like a Playboy model. She I mean, her body is sick. Like she looks fucking incredible. Um, And we could tell that from a young age, she knew what she wanted, which is fucking famous people. I mean, I don't know what it is. She wanted fame. 
So she met Don McLean. She said she was a giant fan of his music. And um, then I went to Don's Instagram. I went, I probably spent an hour and a half on both of their Instagrams. The way they met is she started managing his social media account in 2016. He's worth $50 million. And they, she just would go on the road with him. There's photos of her with like Ed Sheeran and all these like famous people because everyone loves Don McLean. And now they just do TikToks together and it's uncomfortable because oh my god so they're they're quarantining together um and doing tiktoks so that's that's why i didn't want you to look at the notes i thought this would be just some jaw drop did i over no you didn't overhype it this is a crazy where are they now and all and i yeah i mean it's like this episode when i was watching it on svu i was like okay this one's a little bit crazy but it's not that crazy it happened in real life and what happened in real life was like a thousand times crazier yeah yeah Fuck, what a good one. It was wild, but I, so everyone, um, please do not come for me for being so judgmental, but I don't like old men dating young girls. It annoys me <laughs> and I don't give a fuck. Honestly, you're, you, you seem like a little bit focused on the physical. I'm like, focus. I focus on like the conversations. Like, what are you guys talking about? Like, I will sometimes meet someone who's 10 years younger than me and be like, I don't even get what your whole thing is. Like, so I can't imagine somebody 25, 45, 50 years younger than me, like having a- anything to talk about. I mean, somebody 50 years younger than me doesn't exist, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) And I don't know Don McLean, so I can't um, speak for him in this way, but (laughs) (laughs) please don't speak for American Pie singer Don McLean, Lisa. But you know what? Honestly, I hope I hope she gets that money. She put it. They've been together five years. I don't know. Wow. Okay. well, I'm going to have to just process a lot of stuff and then we're going (laughs) to talk to our guests. I'm so excited for our next guest. She has been on my all-time favorite show, Claws. She's been on Preacher. You can see her on Hulu's Castle Rock season two. Uh, all the way from New Orleans, it's Catfisher Heather Purcell herself, Tanae Intriago. Where are you right now in the world? I am in the humid land of New Orleans. That's what I was. We were reading for. about you that you split time, and we're both like, "How exciting!" Because I I'm obsessed with New Orleans. I got engaged there. I love it there. Oh my gosh! I'm wondering. The casting is usually New York. Did you go to New York to audition, or were they looking for people? I other um, places. I taped. I was. We were visiting family in Florida at the time because that's where we moved from before New Orleans and. Um, so I just sent a tape and I booked like, it's, you know, it's a machine law and order. <laughs> and so it's like, uh, I sent in a tape and then found out I booked it like two days later. And then the next couple days I had to be there and I was there for two weeks or so. I can't believe you booked off a tape. That feels like a myth. Like that feels like you're like, like that's like, you told me you saw a unicorn. Like that's crazy. I've booked all, everything I've ever worked on off of tape. Wow. It's yeah. You so should coach I, people. On I the feel side. like I'm an imposter, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so it was, it was, it was really cool. It was the, one of the best gigs I've ever had ever, 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 ever. Where did they film all the West Virginia stuff? We went upstate. Okay. Upstate New York. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. 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 And which was really fun. 
No, my husband is from West Virginia. And I was like, this has West Virginia tinges, but I don't think this is West Virginia. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was upstate. And I'd never been upstate before. Um, so it was it was super pretty and yeah, it's beautiful. Cold. It was so cold. Oh, but you guys were wearing summer gear, right? Yeah. But well, I had I had that like, I don't know if you guys remember the um that like 70s kind of jacket with like the cloth collar. Yeah. 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 I loved that jacket. They were trying to make you look like a country girl, but it was actually like a cute jacket. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, (laughs) I was like, I would wear this normally, Um, but yeah. And our house was like on a cliff, like the house that Heather lived in was on a cliff and, um, it was cool. It felt backwoods like from, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. So had you been like a fan of SVU before you did you watch it? Had you, you guys like- will slaughter me. I had never seen an episode before <laughs> I booked the show. That's it. End it. <laughs> and then it got me in. And then I was like, oh, this is the funnest thing to watch probably ever. It's so, I don't know, the way that it's it's so dramatized. <laughs> I really just had fun watching the episode, which is weird because I usually hate the shit that I'm in. But like, it was right. so fun. Who was hotter, Steve Howie or Carisi? We want to know. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> we want to know who was the hottest. The, the, I think energetically, like Steve was just like zaddy, you know. Like as soon <laughs> as he got in, he was like, "Oh man!" And he's so humble and like a listener, and like it's just like, oh, he was so sweet. But I had the most fun with Raul. Oh, Ooh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you guys had some like courtroom tension. Yeah. Yeah. He is like the life of the party. It was so fun. And we just sang Les Mis in between takes. Oh, oh my <laughs> our, God. Our listeners are going to go nuts because they truly are all so horny for Barba. Like we <laughs> had no idea until we like posted a thing where we didn't include Barba and they came, they really were mad at us. Oh so yeah. Yeah. They love him. And this was like right before he left, I think like right before. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, he was a doll. And then the guy who played my, uh, my defense attorney, Glenn Fleshler. <laughs> yeah incredible he's like one of my favorite character actors too so when i met him i was like are you for real it's you like but it was yeah yes steve howie's a babe for sure that's so funny so carisi did not do it for you no peter scaravino sexiness no he seemed like like he just talked about his children the old time the whole time okay so i was like i've left my child for this i don't want (laughs) to you know take me away steve howie yeah 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 that makes sense i mean he's so handsome though like his eyes are piercing and like cut you to the core, you know? Yeah. Who was describing him as like a, a Swedish prince or something? Like he's just <laughs> like, looks like a Scandinavian, like God. demigod. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Wait. So, but we want to hear about, cause like, you know, the, we we're not particularly into this, but a lot of the people that listen to the podcast are very into the Rollins and Carisi relationship, which has a big part in that episode. So we are wondering on the road trip, obviously you guys didn't drive six hours, but right. in the road trip scenes. Could you feel the tension? Oh my God. <laughs> it was so fun to just hear them. Um, because you know, my character is like asleep Yeah, <laughs> um, or like daydreaming out, you know, she's just like thinking that she's going to meet her, her, the man that she worships. So it was really fun. There's, it's funny because in cut, you know, when we're just waiting for the next scene and we were, we drove for a while. 
I, I remember being in that car for a couple hours. Oh, wow. Just okay. like, cause of like resetting and right. you know, all that. Um, but they, yeah, you could cut the tension with a knife for sure. <laughs> wow. You know, at one point I was sitting there and I was like, am I horny? Like, I don't <laughs> is this, you know, but they were, yeah. And they play, they just love to play with each other. Like they just fuck with each other, ruin a take on purpose. You know, it's, (laughs) it was super fun. And then in cut, they're like turning back on me and they're asking me about my life. And they were really eager to like learn because I was from new Orleans and all of that. But on my end, I'm like, wait, no, tell me about what you guys going on. (laughs) Because I, you know, I'd never seen the show. I didn't know that anything was building for them. And so whenever I'm noticing this, I'm like, they like want to (laughs) fuck. Well, I think that's what most of the listeners think too, but it still hasn't (laughs) happened in season 22. I know. I know. Uh, It's crazy. They're really, they're really drawing it out. Yeah. They're doing, they're turning them into a bit of a Jim and a Pam situation. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Are there other fun on set stories or moments that you remember? I really had fun with the director, like a lot. His name is Adam Bernstein. He directed the episode and my favorite part of shooting was the courtroom scene because everyone was fucking with me. Even Raul bringing me back to saying poop bag like a million (laughs) times. Like, and you know, she's super upset in that moment. Like, and I have to change mama's poop bag. She deserves what she got. They would cut right before I had to say she deserves. So I'd be like, and I have to change mama's poop bag. And then they'd cut and Adam would be like, all right, we're going to restart from poop bag. That's a, that's, you know, it is a running joke with all of my friends. Like that anytime. So funny. Well, cause I had seen the episode a few times. And then once we were DMing on Instagram, you mentioned yeah. how often you said poop bag. When I watched it again, I could not stop laughing. Oh my God. You can't not hear it because it's like in the courtroom scene and then even in the scene, um, when they come to her house, right. And cause the mom June's like, well, who's going to change my poop, man? <laughs> you know? And it's just like, that was really important to say a lot in that episode. The writers were like, we're going to put this in here, you know? Well, that was just such like the poop bag is really <laughs> symbolic of your life and how bad it is. And like, cause it is. Yeah. Because we're supposed to really, really sympathize with you and be like, I don't know, she didn't mean for this to happen. And then that turn at the end where you like, you kind of did mean for it to happen. And yeah, yeah, we were wondering like, how'd you squeeze out that solitary tear when you were on the stand? How was that? What were you thinking of? I'm a trained professional (laughs) is how that happened. No, honestly, I don't know because I was, it was so funny. We were cracking up. That's what I was like. Yeah. Like in between takes, it's like poop bag, poop bag, tear. Like, I don't know. It's like hard to, you're making all these jokes. I think the poop bag gods were looking down (laughs) upon me and just really blessing me in that moment to release one singular tear, but I don't know how it happened. I honestly, I think I just kept my eyes open (laughs) for a really long <laughs> like just like I'm just gonna dry him out because uh, this is impossible. Oh my god! Oh my, it's so good. It is a singular tear. In the moment, it feels like you're crying so much, but like it was just one. Well, I that's just what's kind it. of cool about it, though. It's like restrained, you know. Another moment I loved with your characters when the cops did come. You you had you were like, okay, yeah, let's go. Like. <laughs> 
You weren't scared. I believe she wanted out, you know? Yeah. You wanted to shake everybody's hand. You were like, hey, cool. NYPD. I seen this on TV. Like you were like, it was really good. After, I, I remember I did that on per, like I did that on the fly, like to approach them. And afterward, um, I think it was Kelly. She was like, were you supposed to? shake our hand and I was like I don't know I just felt inclined and then the director came and was like that was weird we're keeping it you know <laughs> um but yeah she was like ready to party go on a road trip I know be a movie star live her Mary Tyler Moore fantasy yes yeah I know it's so sad no but you did do a really great job like turning at the end where all the frustration of your life comes out in the courtroom and then you probably stopped and did uh you know uh, Cosette solo with. Oh yeah. I was Barba. just like on my own, like in between, you know? Um, and well, the other thing that was said a lot was blue glacier. And I'm like, no woman's shampoo would ever be called blue glacier. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this girl uses like, I don't know, pulp riot or something like <laughs> blue glacier. I said, thought sounded like a, like Gatorade. a Axe body spray or yeah. Yeah. Gatorade. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. And I, I'm, I'm disappointed. I wasn't Curious in the moment. <laughs> I do need everyone to know that's listening that Kara, are you playing with a googly eye this whole time? Is that yes, a googly I'm eye? Sorry, this is my daughter's googly eye. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, I've just been playing with it. <laughs> Thanks for calling me out, Lisa. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> I held it in for a long time, but <laughs> the like, googly eye just what didn't a good leave. eye. Oh my god. I was it's just so kind of like good. playing with it. Sorry. So that was um, amazing. What a fun girl. I want to like go down to New Orleans and just hang out with her. Are we, can we invite wanna, ourselves? <laughs> I want to go and I want to eat those beignets. I just, I love New Orleans I, is magical. I love it's it. It's to me the only city that is perfectly rated. It's not overrated at all. It's just yeah. like, it is as great as people say. And I yeah. was there alone, do, like walking the streets and I had fun. Like, yeah, just, you just party and everybody's like, you just talk to people. I, I love it there. I think it's so fun. Brass and it's so instruments. Music everywhere. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Listen, let's talk about, let's get into our postmortem. Let's talk about what we learned from this episode. I mean, I, think Wait, I do one... want to mention another Tanae thing. I'm so glad that she felt the tension between Carisi and Rollins and wants to fuck Steve Howie. <laughs> <Or it's> just, <laughs> she is married, but I'm glad that she had all the, uh, the sexy gossip just ready to share and about Barbara. Like, you know, she knew what we oh, wanted yeah. and she gave it to us. Oh yeah. She gave you Barbara Brigade enough. <laughs> That's all going in your spank bag. <laughs> Gross. I hate that phrase. Okay. Um, let's get into our postmortem, Lisa. What did we learn from today's episode? I mean, for me, it's like if you are a celebrity and you're talking to another celebrity, just look for that blue check mark, baby. Like, why are you talking to somebody who has 200,000 followers but is not verified and giving out phone numbers? Just double check, do your due diligence, have a FaceTime. I don't know, figure something out. Yeah. Also, even if someone tells you they have a rape fantasy, I would maybe triple check before yeah. you just bounce into it with a stranger. I would just keep checking. Yeah. Like, first of all, if you are going to do something like that, you always have to have a safe word and you should check about that up top. Like safe word is still eagle, right? Like or whatever your your safe word is going to be. I don't know. What's a fun safe word? Anything. But yes, yeah, safe word. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. Um, you should always have a safe word ready, prepped, always. Um, don't, I don't know. I don't like cauliflower ear. So don't like anyone that has that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't have sex with those ears. Um, also like 
well, this is more for the real cry and catfish. But it's like, talk to someone on the phone before you fly to meet them. Like FaceTime, see their face. Like you have to talk. I just, yeah, I, it's you so have shocking. to confirm identities. Make sure the area code is right. Like I, it's just, I can't believe catfish is a thing. And they have a new catfish podcast coming out. So right. the, it keeps happening. These people keep I just I don't understand how you're not FaceTiming in these years now yeah. in 2021, even with the pandemic. Now, it's even more like I'll I FaceTime people I would never have been FaceTiming. I would just be seeing them, I guess. And it's like I know that um, especially right now, like people feel isolated, people feel alone, but like. Just don't allow don't like allow Internet conversation to make you completely forget like all of your red flags and your instincts and like your rules about when you get to know a person like you can't be dating somebody for two years and never have seen their face and like at least over FaceTime. Like it's just. Yeah. Nuts. So and leave your house, you know, take a walk yeah, around the get, block, take a walk. <laughs> You <laughs> go out, um, have some fun. Um, oh, well, I was going to say, don't just buy things that influencers put on the internet, but I do that all the time. I'm, I'm a yeah. sucker. Says a girl wearing a Jojo Siwa scrunchie right now. <laughs> oh, I buy everything. I buy like, uh, yeah. Hillary Rada put on Estee Lauder night serum and I bought Estee Lauder night serum. Like, yeah, but Hillary Rada is never going to freaking hawk blue glacier shampoo ladies let's not buy blue glacier shampoo that's not something it's not real but if it was real that's a man's thing that sounds like a man thing <laughs> don't buy it heteronormative no <laughs> I know, um, i'm being heteronormative yeah also don't judge instagram hoes you know what i mean like everyone's yeah. allowed to make money being uh showing off their body if they want and it doesn't mean like i don't know don't judge them yeah, because now she's in a perfectly happy relationship with the singer of American Pie. Wait, what are you talking about? Don McLean? Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought I was imagining Jason Biggs. <laughs> I'm young. Oh, my God. Lisa, you're not that much younger than me. And I didn't what? say the movie American Pie. I said the singer of American Pie. Uh, no, I, I even I'm with Don young. McLean, I had to Google him multiple times. When I hear American Pie, I think of Jason Biggs and that movie before I think of the song. You or don't I think, think of the Madonna bye -bye. version. No, I think of the Madonna version, honestly. Wow. You are very young. <laughs> young. <laughs> well, I need to let my youthful friend get off this podcast and go... Um, I don't know, download the latest American Pie movie or something. And I think like someone that I thought was cool when I was younger, like shat on that song. And I was like, yeah, it sucks or something like that. No, it's not that great of a song. It's just kind of an American classic. I just thought you would know it. No, actually, I had a great moment. The day that we all found out Biden won, I was alone. So I drove to the like park in Evanston and there was a guy playing it on the keyboards over and over again as I walked the dog. And it was nice. <laughs> I take everything back. This is all a mess. But it's your favorite song. Okay. Um, I think we've beaten this episode with a dead horse. What's the saying? But we've beaten this episode with a dead horse. <laughs> we've learned all we can. All right. And now it is time for What Would Sister Peg Do? Our weekly segment where we direct you towards an organization a article, a book, something that helps uh, flesh out a little bit more of the topic that we covered in today's episode. Today, we wanted to draw your attention to the National Cybersecurity Alliance. Uh, they have an article up there called Five Easy Ways to Protect Yourself Online. We'll link to it in our show notes as usual. Um, but their website is staysafeonline.org. Just don't get catfished, guys. I think that's what 
generally their messages uh, and how to just, you know, if you're in a relate a long-term relationship with someone you've never spoken to or seen, that's a red flag. So stay safe. And next week is 420. Hello, Taco Bell. I'm coming for you. <laughs> and we will be covering Choreographed, Season 8, Episode 9. It's going to be chill and fun and bleh. I don't know. What's another hippie thing Come to say? Come stoned. I mean, or not. I'm pregnant. I won't be stoned. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, the episodes are on Hulu or Peacock or, you know, International. You're on your own, baby. But... <laughs> Hit us up on Instagram, email us, and we'll see you soon. Bye. That's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at thatsmesseduppod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at thatsmesseduppod and on Twitter at messeduppod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to SVU Superfan and our incredible producer, Hannah Kyle Creighton. And to our sound engineer and personal hero, Annalise Nelson. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song. To Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thanks to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an advertiser interested in advertising on our show, go to midroll.com slash ads. Dun, dun. dun. <laughs>